You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, one and all, to the very glamorous, ultra-amorous, doesn't-smoke-cannabis, almost-calamitous, Encyclopedia Britannicus of old films, don't make me laugh, wonderful to climb along your headphone wire once more to bellow into your eardrum, thank you for having me. I have to tell you at the outset of this show, I have a somewhat magnificent competition on this week's show. If you're a James Cagney fan, then seriously, make sure you listen carefully later on to find out how to enter a superb competition. Dr. Weir's mystery will be continued shortly. Uh, By the way, Doctor, is mystery your sole pleasure? Young man, what could be more pleasant than mystery? I'm going to guess that there's something more pleasant than mystery, and that that something is something you wear on your head. Well, music, for instance. That's music, why, of course. Oh, okay. The Adams hat salesman has thrown in a curveball. Have you ever heard my clanking of chains? Uh, doctor, I'm afraid you've got me wrong. I mean the kind of music men hum or whistle when they feel on top of the world. And gentlemen, one of the many things that give you that tip-top feeling is the pleasure of being well-dressed. And there it is. Perfect taste is a criterion, and in hats, there's nothing smarter than an atom. From stem to stern, your atom hat gives off that look of quality. Next time you pass an atom hat store or authorized dealer, stop in and try on an atom. Once you see and wear an atom hat, you'll agree that today, as before, Adam is one of America's outstanding hat values. I'm always on the lookout for outstanding hat value. I am.
And that was Glenn Miller's version of Rhapsody in Blue. Wonderful. It occurred to me that a very important part of the show was missing last time. That's right. The question pot was crying out to be meddled with and was left unmeddled with, and so... Maybe you have a question. Well, throw it into the question pot. Strangely, there is no next line. Well, maybe I'll read your question out on the show, or maybe not. Now, here's someone with a handbell. And the first question I pluck from it is from Leontine, who's really throwing down the gauntlet. Her question is, which Alfred Hitchcock film do you think is his personal best? Thanks. Blimey, you're flinging that one around a bit easily, aren't you? Okay, so it really depends on what you mean here. If you mean which do I think is technically his best, then I think Rear Window is perfect. You know, you can actually watch that film with no sound and still completely understand what is happening. It is a masterpiece. However, if you are asking which film I personally love most as my favourite, then that accolade falls to Rebecca. I love everything about it. I love the cast. I love the air of mystery. I love the David O. Selznick production values. I love it so much that I even named my son Maxim after Maxim de Winter. My goodness, though, what a question. I love nearly everything he ever did. Next question, though, is from Bruce McLean from Baton Rouge, who writes, I have been racing through time for the past six weeks in the hope of catching up to real-time Attaboy Clarence podcast so I, too, can join the conversation, but this can't wait. If you've previously covered this, I apologize, but Patricia Morrison of Dress to Kill and Kiss Me Kate on Broadway was born on March 19th, 1915, and she is still with us. YouTube has some interesting clips of her stage work, as well as an interview on her 100th birthday, so throw her a Canterbury while there is still time. Either two months too late or ten months early, you choose. Well, first of all, Patricia Morrison, here is your Canterbury. Canterbury. And Bruce, my friend, you're absolutely right. Patricia Morrison is still with us, 102 years of age. Can you believe it? And wasn't she superb in Dress to Kill? I was... <laughs> I was actually having dinner with Mark Gatiss last week, and I mentioned this to him, and he said, Oh my goodness, why is no one talking about the fact that Patricia Morrison is still around? I love her so much in Dress to Kill, and to think Hilda Courtney, who almost did away with Basil Rathbone's Sherlock Holmes, is still out there. All of our very best wishes to you, Miss Morrison. You still have very devoted fans, believe me. So the very happiest of birthdays to you, whether you're 102nd or you're 103rd, and here's the many, many more. And thank you, Bruce, for the kick up the ass. Okay, last question is from Ian Fryer, who writes, My love of film obscurities over the years has meant there are some acknowledged classics I've never seen. On a long coach journey last week, I brought with me a copy of The Thin Man to watch. I'm afraid I rather drew attention to myself with laughing along with this supremely witty and adult mystery comedy. I had promised myself as a New Year's resolution to watch some William Powell films, but so far, I've only watched The Thin Man and Private Detective 62. Perhaps you could point me in the direction of some peak Powell. Best wishes, Ian. Oh, my holy mother, Ian. You are in for a treat if you haven't seen much Powell. He is one of those golden age stars that never turned in a bad performance. 
He is truly the epitome of Hollywood wit and wonder. You can pretty much stick a pin in his filmography and you'll have chosen a good film. But the five I would personally steer you towards are Crossroads from 1942, which is a very Hitchcockian little thriller with Basil Rathburn and Hedy Lamarr. There's also the Kennel murder case. William Powell starred as Philo Vance, the detective, in a number of films, but this was the best one. And the most cleverly plotted. Check it out. Number three is Reckless, co-starring Gene Harlow, which is stupendous entertainment and which unexpectedly made me cry. Number four is Libeled Lady, in which he stars opposite Gene Harlow again, as well as Spencer Tracy and Myrna Loy. Seriously funny film has a great fishing scene in that. And number five is, of course, all the other Thin Man movies. They do tend to dip in quality as they go along, but Powell and Loy remain charming to the last. You have a seriously amazing adventure ahead of you. Thank you, Ian. And remember, if you'd like a question answered, then go to attaboyclarence.com and scroll down the homepage until you see the question pot. I thank you. So throw your flipping questions into the shiny question pot. You might hear your question next time. So until then, get your thinky cap on for the question pot. Okay, that's the end. You'll be glad this winter you bought a Coleman heater this fall. Yes, as you sit back in your easy chair, snug and comfortable, you'll be glad you bought a Coleman heater. I sure will. You'll enjoy floor-to-ceiling warmth in those rooms you could never heat before. I do like to be warm on the ceiling. Get your Coleman oil or gas heater now during Coleman's big bonus sale. Here's what you get. First bonus, a new low price. That's a great bonus. Second bonus, a new low operating cost. That is also a great bonus. Third bonus, a 32-piece set of Libby's safe-edge glassware worth $14. That is... It's free with your new Coleman heater. Get three big bonuses. Get your Coleman oil or gas heater now during Coleman's big bonus sale. This sale is for a limited time only. So see your Coleman dealer tomorrow. Cheers, Coleman. Well, how clever are you feeling today? Do you feel as though you could identify a Hollywood legend by the sound of their voice alone? If so, then sharpen your wits. Prick up your ears and see if you can tell who this is as we play another round of Who the Hell is That Hollywood Legend? Blindfolds all in place, panel? Yes, John. Yes, John. Good. Will you come in, mystery challenger, and sign in, please? Panel, as you know, in the case of our mystery guest, we go to a different form of questioning. You ask one question at a time in turn, moving clockwise, and we'll begin it with Miss Arlene Francis. Would your name be seen on the theatrical pages of a newspaper? Huh? Well, uh, yeah, sometimes, if I, uh, if I don't watch myself sometimes. <laughs> Gable? Uh, are you more calculated to appeal to younger people than to uh, older people? Well, by golly, you struck a nerve there because uh, I, 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 I try to appeal to, to, the, to the whole shooting match, you know. And not to mislead the panel, I would say that while we would admit that our guest has a very substantial, in fact, signal appeal to the younger people, he has also earned a reputation with uh, older people. Well, the way I think of it, if... Uh, the younger people have to get the money from the mother and father to go to the movies, you know, and uh, so I, you, you got to play it all around, you know. <laughs> yes, Mama. Miss Kilgallen? Do you have anything to do with rock and roll? I beg your pardon. 
You know what I mean. Do you have anything to do with rock and roll? You mean as a, as a listener or... No, as, as a performer, if you don't No, mind. indeed, no. No, Thank that's you. a no. One so down to nine to go, Mr. Sir. Well, if it's not rock and roll, uh, those blood-curdling shrieks that greeted your appearance on the stage must mean that you're a big movie star, are you? Yes, I'll answer that. He is indeed. Miss Francis? My, you're a gas. Are uh, you a Western star? I beg your pardon? I say, <laughs> have you appeared in Westerns? <laughs> Ma'am, I've been, in, I've been in more Westerns than there are horses in Westerns. <laughs> <laughs> and you just struck another, another nerve right there. <coughs> Mr. Gable. Uh, do you sing on horseback? No, sir, I don't. That's two down and eight to go, Miss Kilgallen. Well, well, I didn't hear the answer, please. answer was no, sir, he didn't. He does not sing yeah. on horseback. Uh, have you appeared in pictures where you were not in any proximity to a horse, but did a straight dramatic role? Oh, many times. Uh, sometimes with very pretty girls kissing all the time. <laughs> Rats of fun. Rats, rats of fun. <laughs> Mr. Sir? Could you be possibly starring in a big picture that's about to open in New York? I think that's pretty sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> The answer is yes. Miss Francis? Oh, Bennett, do you know who it is? I have a sneaking hunch. Well, Want to have a conference? Okay, we'll leave it there. Roll that voice around in a dizzying matrix of your subconscious and we'll pop back later to see if you guessed right. They ask me how I knew my true love was Here inside cannot be denied. They said someday you'll find all who love are blind. When your heart's on So I checked them on 
who thinks that they could doubt my love Yet today my love has flown away I am without my love My Friends deride Tears I cannot hide So I smile and sing When a lovely flame dies Smoke gets in your eyes Wonderful. That was Smoke Gets in Your Eyes from Dinah Shaw. Gorgeous. On to a movie then. The first one I have for you today is 1939's The Story of Alexander Graham Bell, 20th Century Fox's biopic of the inventor of the telephone. Mr. McGregor, do you have any, any copper wire in the house? Uh, picture wire will do. Copper wire? Yes, I, I, I need about 17 feet for one of my experiments, and, and all the shops are closed at this hour. Why, the idea of expecting to find 17 feet of wire at this time of night. Warner Brothers had almost cornered the market on the blockbuster biopics with the life of Emile Zola and the story of Louis Pasteur, and in doing so, had established a winning formula. You dramatized the key points in a historical story. You added serious amounts of Hollywood gloss, and by and by, people would flock to the things. I have to say, the Golden Age Hollywood biopic is one of my favorite subgenres because they make learning so much fun. And I almost always go on to search out the real stories behind these figures, which are more often than not, not half as exciting as Hollywood made them out to be. Anyway, on to the story of Alexander Graham Bell, which stars Don Amici, Loretta Young, Henry Fonda, Charles Coburn, and Gene Lockhart. Well, I have an idea that if I could make a current of electricity vary in intensity exactly as the air varies in density when sound passes through it, then, then I could transmit sound, even speech, telegraphically. I'm sorry, but I, I don't understand. I mean, I could talk through a wire. Talk through a wire? Yes, I, I could send a human voice as, as, as far as wires could be strung. Oh, but that doesn't seem possible. Oh, I, I can't believe it. I guess it's crazy. The funny thing is, if you sum up this film in a sentence, it really doesn't sound very exciting. Man invents telephone, then has to defend his invention in court against a corporation who claimed the patent. But you haven't figured with the skill in which Hollywood of yesteryear can spin a yarn, so we're treated to the whirlwind story of a man who risks everything to invent this contraption that no one believes in. We see his failures, but we also see the mounting successes that ultimately lead to the creation of one of the most important inventions of all time. Along the way, we see him fall in love with Loretta Young, who's been deaf since childhood. Cue the handkerchiefs. We also watch a sparkling friendship between Bell and his assistant, Thomas Watson, played by Henry Fonda, the man who hears the first words ever spoken over a telephone. Doesn't sound very thrilling but he's actually extremely thrilling when you see it. Mr. Watson! I want you! It talks! Mr. Bell! Mr. Bell, I heard you! I heard your voice! Then hurry, I'm burned! But I heard you! Your 
voice through the wire. I understood what you said. What did I say? Tell me. You, you said, Mr. Watson, come here, I want you. And I kid you not, there is a scene in this film which is set at Christmas in which Belle brings a child to a Christmas party that made me burst into tears uncontrollably. Belle has been working with a deaf boy trying to figure out a new way of making him hear and arrives at this party with the little boy whose father has never heard him speak. I won't spoil it for you, but it genuinely made my heart explode. I was a wreck. It's wonderful. It does run out of steam slightly once the telephone has been invented. The patent battle in court is kind of an anticlimax, but that in no way detracts from what is yet another superlative example of Hollywood storytelling bending the truth slightly in order to jerk at those heartstrings. If you like your biopics glossy and warm-hearted, then do check out the story of Alexander Graham Bell. It's really wonderful. Well, from that slice of Hollywood heaven to another, albeit quite different. This is a stone-cold classic from 1948, starring Gene Arthur, Marlene Dietrich, and John Lund, directed by Billy Wilder and carrying the name A Foreign Affair. Gentlemen, perhaps I should remind you why we were sent to Berlin. We're here to investigate the morale of American occupation troops, nothing else. 12,000 of our boys are policing that pest hole down below, and according to our reports, they are being infected by a kind of moral malaria. It is our duty to their wives, their mothers, their sisters, to find the facts. And if these reports are true, to fumigate that place with all the insecticides at our disposal. We start the story in post-war Berlin, where the difficult task of dividing up the city between Allied forces and rebuilding the country has begun. The American soldiers, for their part, are fully committed not just to the rebuilding of Berlin, but to letting their hair down after a grueling war by trading their rations on the black market and hooking up with any Frauleins they can find. Enter a group of U.S. congressmen who've been sent by Washington to investigate the American soldiers' morale. You see, the rumor back home is that the boys are losing their fighting spirit and are being eaten away by a gnawing fatigue at having been away from home for so long. Little do they know. Guten afternoon, Freud. Hello, Freud. <laughs> das ist mein friend, Brigadier General Mike. Yeah, Und das ist mein Freund, Lieutenant General Joe. Yeah, you know, you're a nice little strudel. Hey, hands off. I saw her first. <laughs> Lorline, would you like a little spatzelmucken? Bier drinking and dancing making? Yeah, Hey, she must be touching the wall. All she can say is yeah, <laughs> Among these visiting congressmen is one congresswoman, Phoebe Frost from Iowa, played by Jean Arthur, a straight-laced, ultra-moral guardian of American values who lands in Berlin determined to put matters right. If only she knew that Captain Pringle, the soldier assigned to show her around, was having an affair with the exotic Erika von Schluto, played by Marlene Dietrich, a sultry cabaret singer who's determined to use her new boyfriend to get a visa to America. But Erika, it seems, has a dark little secret hiding in her past. This is a film that I had terrible trouble tracking down for a very long time. In the end, I think I had to buy a VHS 
from the States and paid to have it imported and then I had to rig up a desperately shonky video player in order to watch it. Ironically, it was released on DVD in the UK about a year later, but I didn't care. I had been desperate to see this film for ages and the reason for that was that I'd heard the superb Screen Directors Playhouse version of this film and I'd fallen quite in love with it. Being a Billy Wilder film, it is stacked to the ceiling with that icy, acidic vein of humour, those huge satirical punches, and the best comedic dialogue around. The love triangle at the core of this film is very clever. Jean Arthur is somewhat repressed and sworn to do her duty, while Marlena Dietrich is oozing with a free-spirited sexuality that she has used in order to get what she wants. There's a very telling scene in which she explains her desperation and the reason why she's so brazen about using what she has to get where she wants to go. This is a beastly thing to do, but you must understand what happened to us here. We all become animals with exactly one instinct left, self-preservation. Now take me, Miss Frost. Bombed out a dozen times, everything caved in and pulled out from under me. Country, my possessions, my beliefs. Yet somehow I kept going. Months and months in air raid shelters, crammed in with 5,000 other people. I kept going. What do you think it was like to be a woman in this town when the Russians first swept in? I kept going. It was living hell. And then I found a man, and through that man, a roof and a job and food and... And I'm not going to lose him. What is all this to do with me? A little. You see, you want the same man. The weak link in this trio is John Lund as Captain Pringle, the man caught between them, who unfortunately doesn't have the charm or flamboyance to play a character capable of sweeping either woman off their feet. If Captain Pringle had been played by Cary Grant or George Sanders or Tyrone Power or just someone who had a little more of a rascally twinkle in his eye, then the film would have been nigh on perfect. John Lund is unfortunately a little bit blah. And you do wonder, with so many more interesting folks orbiting him, why are these girls arguing over him? Anyway, if you can get past him, then what you're left with is a very funny, very charming, very sarcastic take on post-war politics. Billy Wilder really does send up not just the army, but the war itself in that crackling way that only he can. This is by no means the best example of a Billy Wilder film. This is not Double Indemnity or The Apartment or The Lost Weekend or Sunset Boulevard or, good heavens, that man made some classics, didn't he? This is not top-tier Wilder, but by no means is it low-grade Wilder either. This is Wilder showing his lighter side, which puts the film itself on the middle tier of his movies. Bear in mind, though, that middle-tier Wilder is still skyscrapers above most other filmmakers. Lose yourself in the film for a couple of hours and you will laugh. You will be dazzled by a never more sultry Marlena Dietrich and you will fawn sweetly over a very endearing Jean Arthur. It's a real treat. In fact, why don't we cross on over to the Screen Director's Playhouse version of the film now? This version is remarkable for all sorts of reasons. First up, Rosalind Russell takes the Jean Arthur role. Secondly, they stick very closely indeed to the movie Hardly Anything is Abridged. And thirdly, it contains a cameo from the man himself, Mr. Billy Wilder. I'll just leave you in his company now and he will tell you all about it. And I will see you afterwards. In Hollywood, when a picture lays an egg, it is traditional for the director to blame the writer and the writer to blame the director. But Billy Wilder is both. As director and writer, 
he is in the sad spot of having only himself to blame. Since coming here from his native Austria, the poor fellow has been forced to take the rap for such eggs as the major and the minor, double indemnity, the lost weekend, and tonight's story, a foreign affair. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Wilder. Thank you very much. Tonight, histrionic history is being made. On this program, I am making my debut as an actor. I will appear briefly but brilliantly as a German waiter. <laughs> you can see I have been uh, working all night on that accent of mine. So please, nobody cough, or you will miss the performance of mine altogether. Co-starring with me, by the way, are Rosalind Russell as Congresswoman Phoebe Frost, Marlene Dietrich as Erika von Schlüto, and John Lund as Captain Pringle. And now, for the first time on the air, here is A Foreign Affair. An American transport plane is flying toward the greatest rubble heap on Earth, the city of Berlin. And in the plane, a party of United States congressmen and one congresswoman. While some of the passengers stare out of the windows, prim Miss Phoebe Frost is immersed in the notes she is carefully writing into a prim black book, which she holds primly propped on a large cake box. Miss Frost, Congresswoman Frost. Yes, Congressman Griffin. We're approaching Berlin. Don't you want to see the ruins? Uh, yes, Miss Frost. As chairman of this committee, I suggest you observe as much as possible. Congressman Pennicott, this is not a sightseeing tour. We've been sent here to investigate the morale of United States troops. We have heard rumors that they have been fraternizing with German women. When we land, I assure you I shall explore the situation thoroughly and turn in as accurate a report as possible. Captain Pringle, the notification department. Uh, no, have the papers sent over tomorrow. That's right. I have an honor guard formation at the airfield this afternoon for some globe-trotting congressman. Goodbye. Well, Lieutenant Lee, you look despondent. What's the matter, boy? Oh, it's these German dames. They're murder. You mean Trudy, the fireball Fräulein? What happened? I lost her. You run out of candy bars? A Russian sergeant came along with a pound of rancid butter. You're an amateur, Lee. Now, I wouldn't be afraid of a Russian general with a ton of caviar. Take a look at these. Nylons? Where'd you get them? Brandenburg Gate. Well, you're going to get into trouble messing around with that high-voltage nightclub singer. Erika von Schluto? Why, she's just as sweet and harmless as an artillery battery. Yeah. They say she used to run around with a lot of those big-shot Nazis. Rumors, jealous rumors. Hey, man, look at the time. We got a parade for that committee from stateside. Gonna investigate our morale. You know, I can't understand why. I don't have any. Sir, the honor guard is formed. Parade! Rest! Once more, gentlemen. It is our honor and privilege to turn out with the brass band and welcome a visiting committee. This time, it's to investigate our morale. 
It seems back home they've got the idea that all we do is swing in hammocks with beautiful blonde frau lines and swap cigarettes for castles on the Rhine. Well, some of you do go overboard once in a while. This isn't a boy scout camp. We've got a tough job to do, and by and large, we're handling it darn well. Now, this committee is going to be here for five days. I'm counting on you men to behave, period. Now I see our guests have arrived. Company! Attention! A very fine fight. Who's my ears that stop ringing? Where is Colonel Plummer? I am Colonel Plummer. Congressman Pennycock? Yes. May I extend the welcome of the American military government? As chairman of this committee, permit me to bring you greetings from the people of the United States. Uh, these are my colleagues, Congressman Giffin, Salvatore, Kraus, Yandel, and this is Congresswoman Phoebe Frost. From Iowa, from the 9th District of Iowa. Delightful of Congress to send us a lady representative. You may dispense with the soft soap, Colonel. And what, may I ask, is the meaning of this reception? I'm afraid I don't understand. I came here hoping to find an army taking its task seriously. Instead, I find a military band. What, no drum majorettes? We had some, but we sent them back to the barracks. They forgot to shave. This is scarcely a jesting matter, Colonel. Perhaps we can discuss it at lunch. May I carry that box for you? Uh, no, 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 thank you. I undertook to deliver it to a Captain John Pringle here in Berlin. I don't suppose you could tell me where to find him. I could try. Captain Pringle. Oh, is he here? Captain Pringle reporting, sir. Congresswoman Frost, this is Captain Pringle. This is for you, Captain. Happy birthday. Uh, birthday? Yes, it's a cake. Oh, my birthday, I'd forgotten. You mean, uh, you brought this all the way from the States? Murdoch, Iowa. Well, well, my home state. How is good old Iowa? 67% Republican, thank you. <laughs> I was entrusted with this cake by the daughter of one of my constituents. Well, open it. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, well, what do you know? Oh, isn't that sweet? Love from Dusty. In pink icing. Yeah, great kid, Dusty. Uh, how long since you've seen her? Dusty? Oh, four years. Don't you ever get leave? Oh, I don't want any leave. You don't? Oh, well, that, that is... <laughs> personal feelings don't matter here. Winning the peace, you know? Oh, that's fine, but... Uh, Captain Pringle. Yes, ma'am? Th th that thing hanging out of your pocket, uh, it looks like it... Like... A woman stocking. Captain Pringle. Colonel Plummer, do your officers usually go around looking like the hosiery department at Macy's? <laughs> stocking? Oh, oh, you mean this stocking. Oh, well, uh, my mother sent me these. Just got them today. And the color just matches your arms. Yes, I, I mean, no. I, they're a present for Dusty. I'll mail them from here. Uh, surprise, you know. It's her birthday next month. Why, Captain Pringle, how thoughtful. And now here you are with a birthday cake all alone. Well, they'll be my buddies. We'll open a case of root beer, light the candles, sing some songs. It'll be just like good old Iowa. Almost. Oh, well, may I say that if you're a sample of the army spirit, I feel better already. Oh, I'm a sample, all right. Goodbye, Miss Frost. Goodbye. Give my regards to the Lonely Hearts Club. Yes, sir. 
Oh, man, look at this cake. When are we going to eat it? Eat it? Are you crazy? I'm going to the black market and parlay this pastry into a mattress. That's my signal. Come on, throw down the key. Okay, mattress, come with daddy. Johnny, you're hurting me. Why are you so mean to me? Listen, you menace. I worry about you. I bring you presents, and you tell me presents? I'm... Presents? Where, Johnny? Where? Hey, hey, get out of my pockets. What is it, Johnny? Oh, come on, lay off. You're tickling me. Oh, stockings. Oh, they're so sheer, so beautiful. Sure. And I brought you another present. Where, Johnny? What? A mattress. A real mattress. Where did you find it? Well, it started out as a half a dozen eggs and a cup of sugar. <laughs> but you're not going to get it. Johnny, the one on my bed, it's, it's a ruin, like Berlin. I can't sleep. No mattress will help you sleep. What you, what you Germans need is a better conscience. I have a good conscience. I have a new Führer. You. Heil, Johnny. You hire me once more and I'll knock your teeth in. How, Johnny? With a kiss? Like this? <laughs> Your mother must have been frightened by a blowtorch. <laughs> Who's that? With my luck, it's Eisenhower. Oh, Johnny, hide in the other room. Right. Coming, yes, yes, coming. Your name's Schludo? Well... An American military policeman. Your name, Erica Schluter? No. You're the dame that sings at the Lorelei nightclub? Yes. And your name's not Erica Schluter? My name is Erika von Schluter. Ooh, von Schluter. Nobility, huh? Well, if your von highness doesn't mind, it says here on this von paper that you've been an active von Nazi and was sentenced last month to a von labor camp to pick up some von bricks. There must be some mistake. <laughs> I've been completely cleared. I'm on the white list now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yes, sir, Captain Pringle. Okay, Bob Hope. Let's see those orders. They're four weeks old. Uh, yes, sir. There's been a lot of people to check. This case has been all straightened out. I'll set things right at the denazification office myself. Yes, sir. Okay, that's all. Take off. Yes, sir. Johnny, you shouldn't have told him that. I haven't been cleared. If they look in the files, they'll find out. Stop worrying. I signed your papers. Johnny, you could get into trouble. I got into trouble the day I met you. Goodbye, baby doll. Uh, gentlemen. Uh, gentlemen. 
As chairman of the committee, I wish to thank Colonel Plummer and his staff for this pleasant and educational luncheon. But now, duty calls. If uh, you gentlemen and Miss Frost will just go along with Lieutenant Fairfield here, he has arranged a tour of the area for you. Slide this way, please. Uh, visiting congressman. Sometimes I'd like to send a committee to investigate morale in Washington. Call it. What Hello. the devil? Oh, Miss Frost. Say, you'd better run along or your party will leave without you. Iowans, Colonel Plummer, are not the type for guided tours. Just what is it you want, Miss Frost? Colonel, driving over here, I was shocked. Shocked. <laughs> I understand, but you must realize that Berlin it's is a city... It's not Berlin, Colonel. It's our men. American soldiers walking right up to German women and making dates without being properly introduced. Well, heavens to Betsy... Holding hands. Holding hands openly, right in public. Fraternization is legal, you know. This committee may have something to say about that. Miss Frost, what is it you wish? I just want to tell you that Congresswoman Phoebe Frost isn't going to be bamboozled by any smooth talk and guided tours. Nobody's trying to bamboozle you, Miss Frost. You're free to do whatever you wish. As far as this office is concerned, you can investigate the morals of the American army first-handed. Don't be ridiculous, Colonel. I couldn't... Colonel Plummer, you have given me an idea. Now, wait a minute. For the honor and glory of the United States, Colonel, I am going out and get myself picked up. So what's with it? Did you have any luck with the German doll? Nah. I says to her, I says, look. I am Private Joe Bilks of the United States Army. Yeah, what does she say? She says she already has a candy bar. <laughs> oh, yeah. A plutocrat. Well, I... Hey, do you see what I see? Wow. A size 14. <laughs> Somehow she don't look like a German girl. Oh, that is strudel if I ever saw one. Come on. Hey, hey Fraulein. Hey, uh, ein moment, hey, Fraulein. Hold on a minute, will you? Uh, guten afternoon, Fraulein. Oh. Hi, you strudel. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you get that? Yeah, the conversation is launched. Hey, strudel, uh, das ist mein Freund Mike. Mike. Yeah. And das is my friend, Joe. Yeah. Uh, uh, Fraulein, uh, you like little uh, Thompson Marken, uh, Lorelei Cabaret, huh? Yeah. What's the matter with her? Yeah. Oh, fine. This kid kills me. All she can say is yeah. That's bad. <laughs> What is your name? Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, your name? Gretchen. Gretchen what? Gretchen, uh, Gesundheit. How do you like that? We're fraternizing with a sneeze. Some, uh, some hot spot, the Lorelei, huh, Fraulein? Ah, she's a dope. Hey, here comes the champagne. Put it right here, waiter. Das is five-pack cigarettes, please. 
four packs. Now it's five packs. All right, take them. <laughs> this is Eine Kleine Clip Joint. How do you like these prices? Maybe we better write Congress to boost our cigarette ration. Why, you... Hey, uh, what, what did you say? Yeah. That a girl with a vocabulary like that, you could run for Congress yourself back home. Mm. Uh, so what's Congress? A bunch of salesmen that's got their foot in the right door. Listen, for my dough, you can have Congress and the Senate in 10 points. 20 points. 15 points. I'll take it. You got it. Hey, get a load of that. You want me to sing, boy? Yeah. Oh, brother. That is strudel a la mode. Hubba, hubba. Want to buy some illusions? Slightly used second hand. They were lovely illusions reaching high, built on sand. They had a touch of paradise, a spell you can't explain. For in this crazy paradise, you are in love. Want to buy some illusions Slightly used Just like new Such romantic illusions And they're all about you I'll sell them all for a penny They make pretty souvenirs Take my lovely illusions Some for loss, some for tears Want to buy some illusions Slightly used second hand They were lovely illusions Reaching high, built on sand they had a touch of paradise, a spell you can't explain. For in this crazy paradise, you are in love with pain. Want to buy some illusions, slightly used, just like new. Such romantic illusions and they're all about you I'll sell them all for a penny They make pretty souvenirs Take my lovely illusions Some for loss Some for tears this pillar. What's the matter, Johnny? You see over there? That woman? That's no woman. That's a congressman. She thinks I'm Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Jack Armstrong? Oh, never mind. I just don't want her to see me. 
Hey, that's the kind of pastry makes you drool on your bib. They say she was right up there with a major league Nazis, Goebbels girl or Goering's, one of them anyway. How does she get away with it? Uh, she hooked herself some big army brass. Hey, do you think this uh, sphinx here can dance? Uh, come on, Gretchen, how's mit the uh, kleine Tanzmachen, huh? Come on, Gretchen, loosen up. Don't you know how that to do- That cake. Will you, hmm? That's the cake I brought from Iowa. The cake on the table. Gretchen, what are you saying? Let me go, you big ape. Oh, brother, let me out of here. Waiter, where did you get that cake? What you want? I know that cake. I brought it from Iowa. Where this restaurant gets food is our business, not yours. That's enough out of you. This cake is confiscated. Oh, Captain Pringle. So this is what happened to my cake. What do you know about this? It was stolen from my Jeep in the Brandenburg Gate area, Miss Frost. You know, the black market. I traced the cake here. And just what do you intend doing about it? Oh, I'll take care of the matter. Oh, no, no. Where's my notebook? Oh, there now. Uh, what exactly is the name of this rat trap? Uh, the Lorelei. The Lorelei. And what is the name of that woman? Uh, what woman? The singer here. Oh, 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 that woman. I think it's, uh, uh Erica. Erica what? Uh, Erica, uh, von Schluto. How do you spell it? With an umlaut. Aha! I thought so. Huh? Even her name is subversive. But, uh, but, uh, Miss Frost, uh, why ask about her? Because there's something funny going on around here, and as a congresswoman of Iowa, I am about to do my duty. And so, gentlemen, and Miss Frost, that's why I ask you to this conference. You had to get the picture. When we moved into Germany, we found a country of open graves and closed hearts. We've tried to turn it into a civilized state. It's a tough, thankless, lonely job. Oh, sure, sure, some of us get out of line occasionally. But remember this, for the first time in history, you're asking the same generation of soldiers to be both valorous and wise. As chairman of this committee, Colonel, let me tell you, we buy every word of your speech. Yes, sir. I don't buy it. I know, Miss Frost. You're from Iowa. What about notorious Nazi sirens parading themselves before our boys? What about that? For instance? Erica von Schuto. That's who, who works, if that is the word for it, at a dive called the Lorelei. Pardon me, did you say Erica von Schluto? I did. I uh, must ask you to drop this particular matter. Aha, you're hiding something, Colonel Plummer. There are some things which must be left to the discretion of the military. The last time someone tried to gag me, Colonel, he tried it with a mink coat. But I didn't stop talking until the president of that particular company wound up in jail, even though I did get pneumonia that winter. Come in, come in. Uh, morning, Miss Frost. Ah, Captain Pringle. No doubt you're wondering why I sent for you. Uh-huh. Why uh, all the motion picture equipment? You'll see presently. I simply cannot get myself to trust anybody in uniform. Oh, now, Miss Frost. That is, anybody but you. Me? I suppose it's because we're both Iowans. And, Captain, 
I need your help. <sighs> Glad to be of service, ma'am. Now, what do you know about Fräulein von Schluto? Oh, just gossip. She may have known a couple of minor party members. Small fry. Nothing worth your attention. Perhaps. Uh, a warrant officer thinks she's in this old German newsreel. So, uh, if you'll turn off the lights, Captain. Okay. Probably just a waste of time, Miss Frost. This is the opening of the 1943 opera season. Yeah, top German brass. There's Hitler at... Oh, no. There she is. The von Schluto woman. Who's the uniform she's hanging on to? I think... I think it's Hans Otto Birgel. Who's he? Oh, he... He uh, had a little something to do with the uh, Gestapo... He's dead. Killed himself. Wasn't he an important party member? Oh, so-so. Look at the way she's holding on to him. Well, maybe she doesn't know him. Maybe she had a dizzy spell, and the first thing she could catch was his elbow. Uh -huh. And is that a dizzy spell? Hitler himself. Kissing her hand, talking to her, laughing with her. I think that's quite enough. You can put the lights on now, Captain. Yeah, sure. It's common talk, you know, that some American army officer is protecting that woman. It's him that I want. Do you think you'll find him? Of course. The only way he can see her is by visiting her. She can't come to him. You're so right. Therefore, to catch him, we've got to watch her place. Smart idea. And I'll watch it myself, personally, night and day. No, we'll watch it together. We will? I want to face that man myself, face him right down. Oh, well, it's liable to be a long, dull process. You and I can afford any time required by so brazen a case. If necessary, I'll go to the general. Oh, no, not the general. I will, and to the War Department, and to the president. And if he doesn't do it, yes. I'll see Drew Pearson. <laughs> full-hour presentation of A Foreign Affair continues in just a moment. But first, a word about next week's show. Starting next Sunday, the NBC Theater will be heard over most of these stations at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, just a half hour later than heretofore. And our story next week is the gay and charming musical You Were Meant for Me, starring Academy Award nominee Dan Daly in his original role. Our presentation of A Foreign Affair continues after a brief pause for station identification. NBC Theater is presenting the Hollywood Screen Director's hour-length production of A Foreign Affair, starring Rosalind Russell, Marlena Dietrich, and John Lund, and introducing the director of the film, Billy Wilder.
Life in Berlin is becoming very complicated indeed for Captain John Pringle. Johnny has joined Congresswoman Phoebe Frost in tracking down the American Army officer who's been carrying on an affair with Erika von Schlutow, a nightclub singer and former girlfriend of Nazi Hans Otto Bergel. The task has proved to be an unusually frustrating one for the captain, since he happens to be the man Phoebe Frost is looking for. Right now, Johnny Pringle is doing his best to dampen her Iowa enthusiasm as they sit parked in his Jeep in front of Erica's bomb-shattered apartment. Oh, except a curfew. It's a sin she won't be coming tonight. She's waiting for somebody, or she wouldn't leave the lights on. Maybe she's tickling peaches. Not her. Hmm. Pickled peaches. Golly, she must miss Iowa. Oh, sure, sure. No morale problems there. We had the lowest juvenile delinquency rate in the country. Until two months ago. What happened? A little boy in Des Moines took a blowtorch to his mother. <laughs> we dropped right back to 16th place. Must have been humiliating. It was, especially for the little boy's mother. A Republican, you know. <laughs> well, those things do happen. Oh. oh, golly, I'm sleepy. Look out for that horn. Shh. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh-oh, that did it. Crickets? Something dropped. It's a key. A key? Oh, whatever for? Apparently the man honks the horn. That's the signal. Johnny? Johnny? Come on, hide into the shadows. Johnny? Where are you, Johnny? Johnny. His name's Johnny. Well, there's lots of Johnnies in the army. But this eliminates all the Jims, Bobs, and Georges. Johnny? Hussy. Shh. Is somebody here? Oh. Hello, Johnny. I don't know who you're referring to. I am Captain Pringle of the United States Army, and this lady with me is a member of the Congress of the United States. And we have reason to believe that you are consorting with a member of our armed forces. What gives you that idea? The key you dropped. Oh. That was for the milkman. Facts, Miss von Schluto, if you please. You are an American woman. Uh, what is the man's name? No lipstick. <laughs> and what a curious way to do your hair. Are you now, or have you ever been, connected with a member of the armed forces of the United States? If so, what is his name? Perhaps if you change the line of your eyebrows a little. I'm sorry, but I don't know what you're talking about. Good night. Good night. Good night, Captain. Whatever your name is. Well, we might as well call it a night. I suppose I do look awful. No, you don't. We were only allowed 60 pounds of luggage. I didn't bring any makeup. Never let another woman tell you how you look. No lipstick. Ask a man. No mascara either. I I think you look charming. In a windblown sort of way. <laughs> you're, you're just being polite. Oh, no, no, really. You're sweet. Now, get, getting back to that woman, the man behind her, he must really be important. 
important enough to cover up for her. Oh, I don't know. You read stories like this every day in the papers. That's it. Papers. The man must have signed her papers. Oh, no. Find the signature on her papers, and we've got our man. Well, it's getting late. Let's go home now. No, I want to see that file right now. In the middle of the night? Sh shouldn't we get permission? Did we get permission to land in Normandy? Let's go. Sandler, Salzman, Schmerner, Schlumann, Schussel. Uh, oh, here are Schlutos. Anton, Emil, Frist, Gottfried. No, Erica. No, Erica? Oh, that's too bad. Well, come on, let's go. I have to write my grandmother a letter. I've neglected her shamefully. Oh, well, I could have sworn I... Captain Pringle, it's Erica von Schluto. Von, it's under Von. Oh, no, why, that, that's silly. Like O'Brien. You wouldn't look under B. You'd look under O. All right, let's look under O. <laughs> under V. Oh, it must be here. Now, Von Schlitzschnick... Did it ever occur to you that there might be some extenuating circumstances? This man is making a mockery of his country's uniform. That's a hot one. You expect him to be an ambassador, a salesman of goodwill. Well, that's not the way it works. Suppose you stop playing detective and ask yourself why he skipped it off the road. Von Sandberg, I'll tell you why. No moral breaks, Von Sandberg. Sure, he's going too fast. Only during the war, he couldn't go fast enough. Get on that beachhead. Get through those tank traps. Speed, lots of it. Then the war's over... You expect him to ram on those brakes and stop like that. Von Salzburg? Yes, Captain Pringle, just like that. Von Sargis? Von Sastin? Maybe he needs a little affection. Or would you know about that, Congresswoman Frost? Are you human enough to know about affection? Yes. I know about that. It might interest you know, well, to know that I was in love once. Not really. He was a Southern Democrat. <laughs> we served on a committee together. I despised his politics, but I loved the southern syrup in his voice and the lazy way he put his arm around me. But do you know what he was trying to do? What? Sway my vote. <laughs> One night he drove me home. He said he was, well, he was yearning for my lips, but it would have meant betraying my platform and my constituents. What did you do? I filibustered. You what? I just kept talking, poems and things. The Midnight Ride of Paul Revere, I got through that one twice. Yes, I... I do know about affection, Captain, but we still haven't found her file. Now, von Schloss, von Schlossnig... You haven't von, been kissed since. None of your business. Von Schlumann, von... Von Schluto. Carl, Donner. Ah, if it's here, it should be this next... Congresswoman. Auto. What? What was that file? Well, it's... What, what are you doing? That Southern Democrat isn't the only guy who's yearning for those lips. Captain Pringle. Keep away. Don't, don't, don't you come. Why? You're no Nazi. Since when has it been subversive to kiss a Republican? But I... I'm a congresswoman. You're a lovely woman. And you're going to get kissed. Now, listen. L listen, uh, listen, my children, and you shall hear... It won't hear be any good. ...the midnight ride of Paul Revere. Congresswoman, darling, oh, I'm asking oh, for the oh, floor. Oh, on the 8th of April in 75... I demand the floor. ...the man is now alive. Mm. <laughs> oh, you're... You're entirely out of order. Objection overruled. Oh, John. Come on. Let's get out of here. 
I know where there's a beam of moonlight with your name on it. But the, but the file... Bright moonlight or dusty old files. What'll it be? Oh, moonlight, John. Moonlight. Oh, hurry, darling. The hours are running out, and I want to spend every magic moment with you. been so long. Hi. What has my Kleiner Liebling been doing? Your Kleiner Liebling has been making charm with the bloodhound. The congresswoman? Yeah. We're engaged. Engaged? We sat and held hands and whistled Shine On Harvest Moon. (laughs) It's better than having my head chopped off. Something that may happen to you. You were in pretty deep, weren't you? Deep? What deep? You and Hans Otto Birgel. He's dead. And that fear of yours, kissing your hand, little jerk. Don't talk like that. Why not? How much of a Nazi were you, anyway? Oh, Johnny, don't be cross now. I love you very much. Now, isn't that nice? I want to go with you to America. I want to climb the Statue of Liberty. You want to get down in that basement at Fort Knox? (laughs) (laughs) Got some vodka, and I had the phonograph fixed. Sorry, I got a date. A date? With my fiancée. Have to keep her hogtied till she leaves tomorrow. But you'll come tomorrow night, won't you, Johnny? Sure, I guess so. So long, doll. did you insist on coming to the Lorelei? Oh, now, Johnny, it's our last night. I want to have fun. Sure, sure, I know how it is. Uh, I don't know whether it's the champagne, but I'm absolutely dizzy with happiness. Before I was just drifting on a gray sea all alone. Only suddenly you get scared. You, so you hoist up your heart and, and you wait. And nobody passes by. Just gray waves. Baby, don't. Then out of nowhere comes a boat. So unexpected. 
all white sails on the horizon. To you, my beautiful boat. Baby, you make me feel awful. Well, you are beautiful, and you're fun, and, and you're good to me. Someday you might find out I'm not so good. Look, look, here's Miss von Schluto. May I join you? No. Now, don't be rude, John. Thank you. Have you made any progress uh, tracking down that man? What man? <laughs> my man. Oh, a little progress. Only that's all postponed because of another man. <laughs> my man. Isn't he beautiful? Yeah. Uh, some more champagne, darling. Phoebe, please, you've had enough. When are you leaving Berlin, oh, Miss tomorrow. Frost? Tomorrow, this is our last night together. What a shame. He'll be so lonely without you. <laughs> oh, no, no, he won't. He'll think about his little Phoebe, won't you? Sure I will. Night after night, all alone in his barracks. Uh, <laughs> isn't he sweet? Yes, I think so. Hey, hey, Pringle, uh, Johnny. Oh, oh, hello, Lee. Won't you, won't you join us? Uh, no, thanks, can't. Colonel Plummer's looking for you. Uh, John, I don't want you to go. What does he want? What? I don't know, but you better get over to his office before he pops an artery. Oh, of all the times. Well, come on, Phoebe. No, no, I shall be very pleased to take care of Miss Frost. Oh, but, but I better take her home. Go on, get going. She'll be all right. Oh, thanks, Lee. <laughs> Captain Pringle reporting, sir. Well, if it isn't the great lover. Yes, sir. What? I mean, no, sir. Listen, Passion Flower, I'm going to blow the whistle on you. Yes, sir. Pringle, I honestly think you have as good a war record as any man in this town. You've been on the first team ever since Normandy, and I know you were among the first ten men across Ramagan Bridge. I also know why you were in such a hurry. <laughs> well, uh, that's a long story, sir. So is this Erica von Schluto. Captain Pringle, we've been wise to you and her all along. Peeking, huh? We also know that you've been playing a double bill with the Congress lady from Iowa. I'd appreciate it if you'd leave her out of this. You would, huh? Captain, you're to stay away from that certain party. Strictly off limits, understand? That's okay with me. It was all washed up anyway. Just a minute, get this straight. You're to stay away from the congresswoman. Phoebe? Why? Because you're going to pick up the torch for Fraulein von Schluto and lug it again in public. What do you know? Did you ever hear of Hans Otto Bergel? Sure, Erica's Nazi boyfriend, but he's dead now. <laughs> dead nothing, he's very much alive. And thanks to you, he's kicking. What have I got to do with it? Plenty. Someone tipped him off that his girl has been seen around with an American officer. Well, what about it? That only... Oh. Mm-hmm. The way we see it, he's just about due to come out and kill you both. <laughs> That's cute. So now, uh, go on back and fan those flames, Romeo. Stick around the floor line until uh, Burgle shows up. Well, when can I expect him? I wouldn't want my nose to be shiny. Any time from here on in. Any other questions? Yeah. Why did I ever join the army? <laughs> oh, I feel 
so wonderful. Sit down, Miss Frost. <laughs> oh, but you still haven't told me why you asked me up here to your apartment. <laughs> it's very simple, Miss Frost. Huh? I want my man. Ah, uh, the American officer? You are still a little drunk, and maybe that's good. <laughs> because this is, this is a beastly thing I'm going to do. Hmm? But you must understand what happened to us here. We've all become animals with exactly one instinct left, self-preservation. It has been a life of misery. But now I've found a man, and through him a roof and a job and food, and I'm not going to lose him. Oh, why tell all this to me? Because you want the same man. What? What did you say? Here, take my handkerchief. You'll need it. You mean John? He's such a nice boy, really. He hated what he was doing to you, you know. He came up here so miserable and sorry for you. There's his signal. That couldn't be John. It... But it is. One moment, Johnny, darling. I... I, I don't want him to see me. I... I'm afraid it's too late now. Just sit over there in the corner. Hiya, now, baby. Hello. What's the matter? No kiss for your clan of Liebling? Oh, I'm sorry I had to show up at the Lorelei with that Congress dame. She doesn't mean a thing. Nothing, Johnny. Just laughs. Come on, break out that vodka of yours and... Oh. You're a very funny man, Captain Pringle. I... I'm sorry. So am I. Not for myself. For you. For you. Colonel Plummer, I can't go through with this. I'm sorry, Captain, but that's how it is. I know it's tough on you, but we can't afford to let Burgle slip out of the net now. And it's not me, it's Miss Frost. I told you what happened last night. Sorry. But why can't I straighten things out with her? Because, because according to our information, Burgle is coming out of his rat hole tonight. So tonight you're spending your time with Fraulein von Schluto at the Lorelei Club. I didn't expect you. That makes two of us. Tonight I have a surprise for you. What is it? Oh, Liebling, my number's coming up. I got a surprise for you. So is mine. I must go now. I'll be back. You all right? Huh? Oh, hello, Sergeant. You all right, Captain? Sure, like a clay pigeon. We think we spotted Burgle. Well, then arrest him. Well, we aren't positive it's Burgle. When will you know? When he tries to shoot you. Thank you, Sergeant. You've been very helpful. Oh, don't worry, Captain Pringle. We'll be covering you when Burgle shows. Just as long as it isn't with a sheet. See you later, sir. Yeah, but will I see you? Johnny, here I am back. Yeah. What's the surprise? Tonight, I try a new way of doing my number. I sing in the dark. No lights. Hey, you can't do that. But it's so effective, Johnny. There, the light's out. Oh. Oh, brother. Nice and dark, isn't it, Johnny? Here. 
Give me your hand while I sing. Make it fast, baby. Get those lights on again. Want to buy some illusions Slightly used secondhand They were lovely illusions Don't Each move, Captain, and don't turn around. What? Who? What, Captain? A gun. And who, Captain? Allow me to introduce myself, Hans Adelberg. How do you do? She sings beautifully, doesn't she? Listen, Captain. Yes, pain, Captain. Pain as I have known, as you soon shall know. Very soon. You won't get away with it, Virgo. I don't expect to, Captain. But it shall have its compensations, her death and yours. Listen to her. You won't. If she finishes her song, Captain, the lights will go on and we can't have that. Neither you nor she will ever see the lights again. You loved her, Captain. Now die with her music in your ears. Auf Wiedersehen! Come in. Colonel Plummer? Well, Miss Frost, uh, sit down, please. You wanted to see me? Yes. Yes, there's something I want to talk to you about. You know, Miss Frost, there's a lot of rubble around here. You walk around on it, you're apt to get conked by a loose brick. Please, Colonel Plummer. I feel kind of responsible about that loose brick. That certain captain... No, no, I, I don't want to hear anymore. There's not much to be said in his defense, but there is this. He isn't enjoying his little romance with Fräulein von Schulte. I'm not listening. I... Miss Frost, Captain Pringle has been acting as a decoy to trap the Fräulein's old boyfriend. Hans Otto Bergel? Yes. He's alive. You mean John was acting under orders? It had to be that way after he met you. You see... Oh. Excuse me. Colonel Plummer. Lieutenant Fairfield, military police. Yes, Lieutenant. There's been a shooting at the Lorelei. I'm on my way over there now. Any particulars? Nothing. Right, I'll meet you there. Miss Frost, you'd better come with me. There's been a shooting. John? I don't know. Let's find out. Uh, this is it. Come on. Okay, Lieutenant Fairfield, where is he? Under that sheet. Dead. Oh. You wait here, Miss Frost. I'll have a look. Mm -hmm. Two plugs right through the kisser. Right through the... Oh. Oh, she fainted. No sense of humor. <laughs> Where's Pringle? Pringle! Right here, sir. You all right? Fine, thanks to the sergeant here. He dropped Burgo with his first shot. Ah, uh, shucks, Captain. Don't give me all the credit. The other boys got in there two bits worth. Well, Pringle, you'd better attend to that congresswoman of yours. She's fainted. Phoebe? Here? Right over there. Now, Lieutenant, how about uh, Fräulein von Schluto? Two MPs have her in back. Are you crazy? Leaving her with those poor defenseless boys? Go get her. <laughs> uh, here she is now, sir. Come on, sister, you got a date with that pile of on bricks I was telling you about. I have papers here which say I'm on the white list. And we know just how you got there. 
It wasn't exactly, if you'll pardon the non-Aryan expression, kosher. I don't understand. If you'll just ask Captain Pringle. Forget Captain Pringle. Colonel Plummer, sir. Colonel Plummer? Oh, you must be that wonderful Colonel Plummer I've heard so much about. Uh, yes. <clears throat> Only most of the time, they called me delicious. <laughs> take her away, Corporal. Come on, sister. Colonel, can you take me to my apartment while I change? Oh, uh, I guess so. Come on, Corporal. You, Sergeant. Yes, sir. Go along with the Corporal. Watch him. I sure will, sir. You, platoon sergeant. Yes, sir. You watch those two guys. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure. Uh, Colonel Plummer. Uh, yes, Lieutenant. I was just thinking, sir. So was I. You watch them. Like a hawk. <laughs> hmm. <clears throat> Come to think of it, I'd better watch him. Phoebe. Phoebe, darling. Oh, Johnny. What happened? You fainted. He said there were two slugs in your kisser. There ought to be. Oh, no. I'm sorry about everything, except the time with you. John, help me up. There. There now. John, I, I love you. Oh, no. Oh, me, I'm just a wham boy kind of guy you needed, somebody to marry. Well? Oh, oh, not me. I'm a heel, certified, got papers to prove it. John, come here. John. I tell you I'm a heel. You're a man and you're going to get kissed. Oh, now listen, Phoebe, listen. Listen, my children, it you shall hear you the midnight ride of Paul Revere. Come on, Captain Darling, I'm asking for the floor. Hardly I a man is now alive. I... You're entirely out of order. Objection overruled. Oh, Phoebe. Yes, John. How about overruling that objection again? Mm. <laughs> 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 That was A Foreign Affair, starring Rosalind Russell, Marlena Dietrich, John Lund, and Billy Wilder. I do hope you liked it. Well, before I tell you about the James Cagney competition, let's just find out who the hell that Hollywood legend was, shall we? Oh, Bennett, do you know who it is? I have a sneaking hunch. Want to have a conference? Uh, You're going to have five seconds. May we have a conference? Five seconds for a conference. There's a picture coming in with Deborah Carr and Robert Mitchum. Oh, yes, that's right. The nun. Oh, yes, go ahead. Say it, Well, it isn't Deborah Carr, so maybe it's Robert (laughs) Mitchum. Robert Mitchum as well. Yes, it was Robert Mitchum. Did you guess it? I think there were moments when you could definitely hear some Mitchum in that voice. Well, congratulations if you did. From one competition to another, then. A very, very special competition, indeed. Let me just tell you a brief story. Fred May was a very famous British caricaturist and painter who worked extensively for Tatler magazine during the first half of the 20th century. 
Well, by fair means or foul, his drawings caught the eye of James Cagney, who himself was a man who liked to draw caricatures. He famously used to sketch his co-stars on set. Well, Cagney got in touch with Fred May to tell him how much he admired his work, and May wrote back to Cagney saying that he in turn very much admired Cagney's work. This correspondence continued for a number of years and resulted in a burgeoning friendship between the two men which stretched across the Atlantic. May and Cagney sent hundreds of letters to each other, and if May ever visited the States, he always visited with Cagney. Likewise, if James Cagney ever visited England, he always stopped at May's house in Reading, Berkshire. Well, by 1947, James Cagney had become a firm friend of the entire May family. So much so that when Fred May's daughter, Olga, gave birth to a boy, James Cagney was invited to become the boy's godfather. He was greatly honored at being asked and took himself immediately off to the nearest post office in Los Angeles so that he could send a cablegram to Fred May. It read, Western Union Cable, from James Cagney, Los Angeles, to Fred May, Allcroft Road, Reading. Dear Fred, just received your letter. Am greatly flattered and delighted to be godfather to Olga and Pom's baby. Was it a Yankee doodle boy or girl? Greetings to all and a hug for the new arrival. Ever, Jim. Sent July 11th. 1947. I know the cablegram says that because I am holding it in my hand. I have here the very cablegram that was handed to Fred May, sent from his friend James Cagney 70 years ago. Fred May kept it safe all these years and now it has fallen into my possession. Well, how would you like to win this one-of-a-kind piece of James Cagney? Because that is exactly what the prize is this time. The chance to own the very telegram that James Cagney sent to Fred May 70 years ago. If you are a James Cagney fan, then this will be a wonderful treasure to own. I've framed it so it'll arrive to you all ready to go on your wall or your shelf. And all you have to do to win it is to visit attaboyclarence.com and go to the James Cagney competition link in the sidebar. Either that or click the link in the show notes and it'll take you straight there. When you get to that page, just follow the instructions. I want you to tell me what your favorite Cagney film is and why. You have a couple of weeks, so if you need time to think about it, then do so. And I will be reading a selection of entries out on the next show. So do bear in mind that one of the ones I read could be yours. Best of luck, everyone. While we're on the subject of Cagney, I should also tell you that Bullets and Blood will be disappearing from the Secret History of Hollywood podcast feed in the next couple of weeks. So if you would like to keep hold of that series, store it away somewhere for future listening, then it may be an idea to do that very soon. Get it downloaded to your phones or your computers, and if you want to hear it again, you will be able to do so. One more piece of admin. All the episodes of the current Secret History of Hollywood series, Shadows, are being released to patrons much earlier as a bonus. 
For instance, patrons have had episode 2 for over a week now, and they're very much enjoying that. If you would like early access to them as well, simply go to my Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com slash attaboysecret, or again, click the relevant link in the show notes right here and sign up. Only takes a sec and you get all kinds of bonus stuff, including the bonus Attaboy Clarence shows, which present extra movie reviews and radio shows. Keep listening to the end of this show for more details. Very much appreciate you signing up. Makes a world of difference to these podcasts and to my life in general. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Well, that is it from me for this week. I'll be back with you again very soon. So until then, take stupendously good care of yourselves. And bye for now. If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to www.attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. Pledges start from as little as $1 a month, and in return you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews, and ebooks. And every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. Go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now to become a patron. Thank you. As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.